Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and Bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. Guys, on today's show, I'm going to talk about the latest news surrounding some of the biggest stars the UFC has to offer. I'll discuss the beef between Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. I'll give George Masvidal some praise, and I'll also tell you about a fight that I'd love to see. But before I get to all that, I want to begin with some news. So Cowboy Joe Lazon is off. Cowboy Jim Miller is on. By the way, in like three weeks, and it really comes down to a weight cutting issue. Is this a short notice fight? Is this a last minute fight? If so, for who? Now, there's different schools to thought on this. By example, the fact that Cowboy made weight a week ago, and this will be Cowboy's last time in his life weighing 156 pounds. By the way, I mean, keep that in mind. I remember the last time I was ever going to weigh 185 pounds. I was coming through the curtain to fight Anderson Silva. I was going to take his belt away. I was going to double-cross everybody because I knew I couldn't make the weight class anymore. So I'm, just, I'm sharing with you. It's a very relevant thing. 
So now Cowboy's going to go and do that three weeks removed from the last time that he did it. I think to a lot of you, including to myself, you go, okay, that's probably going to make the weight easier, more manageable. Well, maybe, but then I might remind you of the time that Tony Ferguson fought at something called UFC 246 that was two weeks after the date it was supposed to be, and Tony did his own weigh-in. Do you guys remember that? Tony cut the weight. He got on the scale. He said, I'm going to do everything that I ever agreed to do. It was this incredible marketing piece. We all ate it up and we loved it. And two weeks later, Tony gets in there. He never looked so flat. That's just the truth. Tony never was as slow and got out of the way of less punches than he did that night. Is it tied to the way? And I don't, I don't know, but it's a fair point by me because I do think it puts Cowboy at a disadvantage. I just don't know what that disadvantage is. Is it physical or is it mental? Changing the opponent from a long, lanky Joe Lazan to a short and powerful Jim Miller really couldn't be further ends of the spectrum, at least physique-wise, at least sparring partner-wise. I think that a number of things about this suck, which is what makes it so cowboy. This is perfect, guys. This story could not be going any better. Of course Cowboy's going to do some Cowboy stuff. Of course he's going to switch opponents. Of course he's going to fight on a date that wasn't planned. Of course he's going to have five things stacked against him. That's what makes him Cowboy. I love it. Now, this is a rematch, by the way. Jim Miller and Cowboy had met up years ago, and you'd be a little bit misled if you just go read the result, because it was a head kick knockout by Cowboy. That's the finish. That's not how the fight was. I'll just remind you of that. This is competitive, and Jim Miller, not for nothing, has gotten better, and I have the foggiest idea how. I mean, he's always been pretty good. He's gotten better. Jim Miller beat Oliveira. You guys know that? Jim Miller tapped Oliveira out. In fact, I think they might have fight twice. I think Oliveira might have got him back with the submission. I remember it was very early on. We hear about this guy named Charles Oliveira. He's this young guy, 22 or 23 years old. He's this jujitsu prodigy. But we just heard all of these wonderful things. Jim Miller goes out, puts him in a very basic knee bar and taps him out. And I don't say that to put Oliveira down. I, I say it to share with you, like, Miller's done some incredible things. And you will be misled if the only thing you know about Miller and Cowboy's past is that it ended with a finish. You will be very misled. There was a lot of work and a lot of setups, and a lot of preparation, and a lot of psychology, and a lot of traps laid for Cowboy to ever land that head kick. It's an interesting match. It's problematic. Most guys wouldn't want to do it. That's what makes it perfect. This is Cowboy. This is everything he's ever done. I mean, this is Br'er Rabbit, born and raised in the Briar Patch. I like it. I was going to reach out to Cowboy and just say, hey, man, Short notice, changing plans. Where's your head at? Where Cowboy's head at is, is 90% the Cowboy story. And you guys well know that. But I don't need to ask him. I started to type that out. I deleted it. I had my answer. I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, this position sucks. This position is not ideal. Everything is riding on this. Your final walk. Win or lose, your final walk. Everything you want to be right. Nothing about this is what he planned. That's what makes this perfect. Cerrone will now be fighting at UFC 276, a card that will have a co-main event featuring Alex Volkanovsky. Now, I came across some comments about Volk and his future, and I want to bring them to you. Dana White was talking about Volkanovsky, and he had a very interesting comment. Now, to back up a second, Volkanovsky had come out and said that he would like to get through Max Holloway and go up to 155 pounds. And this isn't entirely a new concept for Volkanovsky. Like, talking about Oliveira specifically is a little bit new. But I can remember a month, five weeks ago, Volk was talking about going up to 55 and even challenging Conor McGregor. Now, there has never been a fighter, guys, just so you understand. There has never been a fighter, literal statement, who has been the champion, 
whoever wanted to plant his feet and stay right there, who wanted to use all of his attention to grow the entire division, who wanted to be king of that division, who wanted all the focus, aside from Khabib Nurmagomedov. There's just something about it. There's something about when you get up there and you beat those guys, and all of a sudden you're looking around, and you've already done it once, and you get more and more nervous, and the stress and the pressure builds more and more, and you start to say things like, I've outgrown this division. You start to say things like, I'm going to go look for a bigger fight. I'm going to go elsewhere. It's just a very natural. I'm old enough to remember a guy named Jose Aldo who in 2012, after going 11 years undefeated, was telling the world he was going to do one more fight and retire any minute. He absolutely meant it. And he was doing that about three months after a guy named Anderson Silva had told the world, I'm going to do one more fight and I'm going to retire any minute. This was in 2012. Both of those guys are still fighting. They're both still hungry. They tasted defeat. Everything changed as soon as they got beat. All of a sudden, they were easier to work with, and they wanted to get right back in there, and they'll take on anybody, anywhere, anytime. I don't begrudge them. I'm just pointing to the psychology and how natural this is. Because what is it that Volkanovsky really wants? He, he really wants to get on the scale the day before and have it say 155 instead of 145? No, of course not. Of course not. So he's saying something different. He wants some parity. He wants some fresh blood, maybe. Maybe he wants to stake his claim at 145 and not have to put that on the line ever again. Go to 155, whatever the hell happens, happens, but I remain unblemished and beautiful and perfect at 145. Maybe it could be that, or it could be something a little more obvious. He's just looking for bigger fights. And I got asked by my partner, Ryan, earlier today, he said, what do you think Volkanovski's going to do? If he beats Max, Dana White came out and said, Volkanovski can do whatever he wants to do. They have to make sure that you understand that statement by Dana. That's a big statement. It caught me a little bit off guard. I was a little bit surprised. Dana isn't generally so open to champions leaving the division, but when he gains a certain level of respect, and boy, if anybody deserves it, right? It's Volkanovski. I have Kamara Usman as the current best fighter in the world. I have Volkanovski as number two. Do you guys see it any differently? That is how damn good Volkanovski is. He is the greatest that division has ever seen, which is an incredibly difficult division. And I have him as the second greatest alive, breathing air, and competing today. I could have it wrong. He might be better than that. He might be tied with Usman. I mean, can't give him a, uh, much more of a compliment, I think is what I'm trying to say. At the same time as Ryan's asking me, what do I think Volk's going to do if he wins? Is he going to move up? Now, if you put Ryan's uh, question with my commentary in conjunction with Dana's statement that he can do whatever he wants, we still have a box for that. Could he move up to 155 and leave 145? Yeah, you bet your ass. That's what Dana's saying. If you're now a 55-pounder, you go right ahead. That does not mean he gets to step right in and fight Oliveira. I mean, Oliveira would have a say in that as well. And ultimately, it would turn back to you guys. Is that the match you want to see? Is that the match that you think makes the most sense? Now, hold that thought. Because I'm actually not as interested in what Volkanovski is going to do if he wins. I'm more interested in what Volkanovski is going to do if he doesn't win. It's a very interesting concept because as great as I am willing to admit that Volkanovski is, I think he lost both fights to Max. That's my own opinion. And I'm not bullish on the first one. That was a close one. The second one was very clear to me. To me, it was three to two. And I only bring that to you because that is relevant. Even though nobody's speaking about the fact that a lot of people are with me and a lot of people think Max won those two fights, even though that's not being talked about, it's the whole reason we're seeing part three. Colby Covington is the number one ranked guy in the world without question and cannot get a world title fight. Well, because he's already done it twice. Robert Whitaker is the number one contender for sure. To the point that the guy who's going to get a title fight's last loss was to Robert Whitaker. He is that obviously the number one contender. He can't get a title fight. Well, because he's already had it twice. That rule is being broken for Max, and it's for the reason that I just stated. Is Look, there's a lot of controversy around that. Those were very competitive. Those were very close. And there was a little bit of a loose end, if you will. But I think that that is very relevant because if we go into this fight and Max gets to jump on Volk, we got to make sure that we do what's right as a community, and we demand that Volk gets a rematch. Now, you're going to have to have a whole dialogue on that as well. How many times are we going to run these boys out here? 
Figueredo and Moreno, how many times are we going to say, well, that's a really great fight. I just want to see it again and again and again and again. I mean, how many times? At some point, you have to stop. However, hitting that stop button would not be immediate if Max is to get the belt back from Volkanovski when Volkanovski's putting it up and has put it up against everybody that's ever wanted to contest it. So would Volk like to go and get that back? Is he sincere that he would like to leave the division for the reasons that he stated? Because that's when it's going to be put to the test. If he just wants to leave the division, it's got nothing to do with Max. If he's going to leave it if he beats Max, then what the hell's the difference if he leaves it if he loses to Max? Now you slide up to 155 pounds, that's a whole nother game. Volkanovski going to 155 to fight Oliveira is going to be met with resistance because there's better ideas for Oliveira. Volkanovski going up to 155 and becoming a contender in drawing in against a Michael Chandler, drawing in against a Islam Makhlchev, these are very interesting propositions. Volkanovski, the contender at 55, is far more interesting than Volkanovski challenging Oliver for the 55-pound belt right now. I think that. But I do wonder what's going to happen. If I'm right, if you guys saw what I saw, and that was that Max was the better fighter, if Max can go out there and show that again and get the judges to go with him this time, that's where it really gets interesting of what do you do next with Volkanovski, right? If he's so set on leaving the division, my work here is done, it won't have anything to do with it. We won't have to worry about having the discussion of how are we going to explain to the audience that you've got to watch these two guys doing the same thing for the umpteenth time. Oh, and by the way, if Max beats him again, we're still tied up two apiece and we're going to go to the fifth time. I mean, at some point, you have to stop. You just have to stop. We might not have to choose. I mean, I really do like this concept for Volkanovski. If we can get a commitment ahead of time, which I, of course we can't get, right? I'd be silly. We, we put the guy in a box and he certainly doesn't owe us anything. But wouldn't that be something if he did? Wouldn't that be something if he gave that to us? Win or lose, I for sure... I'm going to weigh 145 pounds for the last time in my life the day before I fight Max Holloway on July 2nd. That changes the story completely. And I do think the idea of Volkanovsky versus Charles Oliveira, yeah, we're, we're all interested. Sure we are. But I think I've proved my point. I think if I told you in a co-main event you're going to see Michael Chandler versus Volkanovsky, I think your eyes just got real big. I think if I tell you, you're going to see Benny Darouche versus Volkanovski. I think your jaw just dropped. I think Volkanovski, the challenger in the 55-pound division, is far more interesting than Volkanovski right now chasing champ champ stats. Staying on the subject of UFC 276, all eyes will be on Israel Adesanya, and you might expect Izzy's got a lot of people coming at him, including a former foe of his. Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya. Now, I, I think these guys are a little bit misunderstood. I really do. Whitaker has his feathers up, which, by the way, doesn't happen very often, right? This was a dude that gets pissed off all the time. It'd probably blow right past me. Whitaker's very uh, agitated. I think possibly falsely. Here's what I mean. Adesanya had come out. Adesanya's got this fight coming up. He's taking on Cannoneer. He's doing media. He's talking about all sorts of stuff. He's spreading it to Sean Strickland just in case. He's ready to take on Pierre, right? He's Adesanya. He's doing everything right. He gets asked about Whitaker. Now, I thought Adesanya was trying to help Bobby Knuckles out because he said, I think he needs to leave the division. I think he needs to go up to 205 pounds. But Adesanya made it very clear that Robert Whitaker could be an instant contender up there. And he went a little bit further to make it sound as though he believes he could win the championship. So it was very nice. That's how I interpret it. It's very nice. And he's saying he's not going to get back to me. Even if he gets back to, I am not interested. Been there, done that. Been there, done that again. I'm just not interested. I accept that. Now, I'm not saying that Whitaker needs to. Not at all. And Whitaker's not. But Whitaker's hot. It really appeared to piss him off. And Whitaker said, and Whitaker's going to plant his feet. You can always run. You can always flee. It was also my advice to Whitaker, as far as seeing a much clearer blueprint and likely path to get into a title fight, let alone a championship, he's got to leave the weight class. 
But you can also plant your feet and fight. You ain't got to run. And that's what Whitaker is going to do. Now, I fully appreciate and respect that. But Whitaker has said in his rebuke to Adesanya, I'm going to beat everybody here. I'm going to beat absolute. I'm going to start scratching names off the list till I'm the only one. And then I am going to fight you again. Now, that's a strategy. Sure. If you want to go through and beat everybody there till nobody's left, sure, that's a strategy. I could tell you off the top of my head, I'm pretty good at this. But off the top of my head, I could tell you three times in the history of the sport, dating back to 1993, that that's worked. Now, I know a number of guys that gone after it. I even know guys that beat up everybody in their way. The problem was, right, you're your top five guy. You've already fought one of the guys. So now you only got to beat three guys in the top five. Your deduction is I'm the only guy in the top five. I'm the guy left. Give me the fight. Like that deduction isn't bad. The problem is in your process of knocking those three other guys off, number seven takes out number two. He comes in, two goes out, and now you're still, uh, you're, you're behind a round. Like that's just the way that those always uh, tend to play out. I do think it's very hard for Robert Whitaker to get back to, to Israel Adesanya. I wouldn't support it in all fairness. I can't think of anybody that Whitaker could fight beat or how many times he could fight and beat somebody that I'm going to go, hey, the fight I want to see, I'm just not. I'm out. I'm out. And it's not because those weren't great fights. I thought Whitaker beat Adesanya the second time. I thought we were going to have a new champion. I was live in that arena. I was ready for the words and new. That doesn't change the fact that leading into that fight, Whitaker didn't do his job. That's the truth. That is the truth. I could tell you about that fight. I could tell you about rounds one. I could tell you the song Robert Whitaker walked out to. How do you like that for a memory? I could not tell you an interview that Robert Whitaker did before that fight. I can tell you interviews that Robert Whitaker refused to do before that fight. And he somehow isn't seeing this. And this is one of the gentlemen of our sport. I don't say this to give him a hard time. I say this with the whole, hey man, it's not too late. What you did today, speaking about Adesanya, laying your case, going to scratch everybody. This is good stuff. This is good, solid stuff. Planting your ground, refusing to run. This is my weight class. This is my division. I beat you before. I will beat you again. This is good stuff. But to look at a decision maker, I mean, we, we just don't do fights a third time. We don't go to a trilogy fight when you didn't split results in the first two. And until Volkanovsky and Holloway touch gloves... On July 2nd, that statement is an absolute. That will be the one exception. So I don't know how clear that path is going to be, but I also don't think that Robert Whitaker understands the politics of it and what's going to keep him out. And he picked up a phone and said, hey, Chael's saying this. He's not right about that, right? All I got to do is win fight. The voice on the other end is going, no, Chael didn't know what he's talking about. I'm right. I'm 100% right. When we got the information, guys, this was a big moment. When we got the inner information, that Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje was the biggest pay-per-view of the year. That was jaw-dropping because it did 400,000 buys. Adesanya is a bigger star than Gaethje or Oliveira. So it wasn't Adesanya's fault. And then you go back to the heavyweight championship fight, which is the single greatest storyline in mixed martial arts heavyweight history. And we don't know what those numbers did. And we don't know by today's standard if those are good, bad, or indifferent. We just know that they lost out to two guys. And in all fairness, right, we love Gaethje and we love Oliver. I'm Neither guy standing on his own is a bigger star than Francis Ngano, than George Masvidal, which also fought this year, or the fight that I'm talking about that happens to contain Adesanya. It wasn't their fault. It's a big deal if you don't seem to understand that. It's a tremendous piece. And what Whitaker's motivation is, I would admire it. I'm not one to judge it. If he made it to the top of the mountain, he fell and he's trying to climb back, that is an honorable thing to do. If he is willing to go through absolutely anybody, he's not looking to play any games. He's going to beat them and he's going to beat them all. Guys, that is awesome. It is different whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, it's different when you've already had that opportunity not once but twice. The first time you had it, you broke an industry record with 57,000 live in attendance. The next time you do it, we don't know how bad it did, but we know it did worse 
than Oliveira versus Gaethje. And before you guys tell me how much you love that, shut up with that. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me and make it look like, I, like I'm being the jerk here. You didn't love Oliveira. You do now. I understand that. Oliveira was not a big deal going into the Gaethje fight. He is now. That's a very different conversation that we're having. But if you don't understand those pieces, if you deny what I just said to be true, I'm never going to get you here. I did a piece last week about you guys. You don't like Valentina Shevchenko. And then I had to hear from you guys how I'm putting Valentina down. How am I putting Valentina down? You will sit over here and raise your hand like you love her? Great. Go to Twitter right now. Send, send me a picture with you with a Valentina shirt. Send me a picture that you have a Valentina that you waited in line and you have her signed. I'll stand down. Any one of you do it. Tell me who you want her next opponent to be and you just can't wait until it comes. Tell me why she's still a co-main event. I'm not being a jerk. I'm asking very tough questions so that we can get to the bottom of it. If you want to have a beautiful record, that can help you to get a title fight. If you have the mandate of the masses, you're getting the title fight. This is being proven right in front of us. Dana White has said if Conor McGregor wants to come back for a championship fight, that's what he'll do because he has the mandate of the masses. There is nothing more powerful. I think some of you would rather have a 10-0 record. I think some of you would rather be on an eight-fight win streak. If I could have an eight-fight win streak, or I can have the community cheering and propelling me forward, these aren't close options, guys. Skills are not going to make you money in this sport. Popularity will. These are extremely basic concepts that I'm laying out. But if you reject them from Jump Street and you refuse to learn that, it's, what, what do you want me to do? I could tell you what song Robert Whitaker walked out to. I cannot tell you an interview that he did prior to that fight. So he's talking and he's demanding it now. That has my interest. But if we're going to do a deal... I'm going to give you 50 bucks to watch you in a cage for up to 25 minutes. That's the deal. That's not the deal. I really would encourage you guys to see Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury respects you. And Tyson Fury one day realized, decided all on his own, 12 rounds of my left and right hand is not a fair exchange for your $50 because I can't guarantee you're going to get all 12 rounds and I'm not giving you a refund if I'm out of here in six. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on these outfits. I'm going to show up at these events and I'm going to have these things to say. I'm going to sing you this song at the end. He just started to add a level of entertainment and he still is charging you the same amount of money. It's a very interesting concept. Because if you're going for a world title fight, we're not looking to just see you get that belt around your waist and throw punches and kicks and fight over guillotines and double legs for up to 25 minutes. There's another barter going on here. There's another exchange. That barter and that exchange is understood and respected by Israel Adesanya. As well as anybody this sport has, as well as anybody this sport has ever had. Israel Adesanya has picked his next opponent for every single opponent he has had since he has been the undisputed champion. All of them. He has decided. And you know what? He decides that night. He doesn't leave. He doesn't go in the back to a press conference where there's way less eyeballs. He does it right there in the octagon. I'm not making this up. I'm not getting you out pretty close. 100% of the time, Adesanya's already decided. He says he's not fighting Whitaker. You want to plant your feet? You want to stand and fight? You want to go against all of that? I respect it. I really do. If I could offer you another way, I think that that's fair and reasonable by me. And I'm just like a, a detective, okay? I'm only as good as the information I've been given. So if you want to come and tell me, here's what I'm going to do differently, and you want to talk about a jab and slipping outside and getting to the body, so next time you get in there with Adesanya... You can win more rounds and get his belt. Okay, but you, you've lost me. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to nod and I'm going to pretend that's good. You need to come out and tell me how you're going to get interest, how you're going to try to repair the deal that you made with the fans. Because the last time we did this and we signed you up for this, 
you thought we were just going to do five rounds on a given night. The audience thought we're going to have an entire circus and a whole bunch of fun leading into this. We're going to parlay off the 57,000 industry-wide record. And when you decided to double-cross us, we're going to think twice before we put you back in that spot. That's the truth. And some of you guys don't like it. And some of you are pretending that you're Valentina fans. And some people are not going to get shots at 185 pounds. And some people are not going to become main events. And I'm not the jerk for being the one that points it out. Guys, summer is officially here. Why don't you let Factor help you spend less time at home in the kitchen and more time enjoying the beautiful sunny weather? Factor makes it easy for my family to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe that they're actually good for you. The Suttons are always on the go. Between family gatherings, gymnastics practice, traveling for work, and hanging out here with you guys, Factor, saves us time by delivering chef-crafted meals to our doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash over here. These meals have been a huge help for my wife and I. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in, and guys, it's healthier. Their registered dietitian and expert chef work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. They offer vegan and veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Head to go.factor75.com slash chael120 and use the code CHAIL120 to get $120 off. That's code CHAIL120 at go.factor75.com slash CHAIL120 for $120 off. Kevin Holland has called out Nate Diaz. You got a better idea? You might have an equal idea. You might have an equal idea, right? I mean, we could think five, six things we want to see Nate Diaz do. I'm asking you a different question. You got a better idea? That's the fight. As soon as I heard that, that's the fight. And when this got told to me, I heard it backwards. Like I had dyslexia as I heard it. I thought it was Nate calling out Holland. Then I was very excited. Going, oh yeah, Holland's going to accept that in a second. Dana's going to love it. Off we go. We got this Nate problem solved. Well, no, it's the other way around. And I'm getting to you five minutes ago, this all started. So Nate has not had time to respond. That's an interesting match. It really is an interesting match. The X's and O's are fantastic. But Holland can play a little bit of the game. And Holland, not for nothing, is overstepping here. Like, I mean, he's a young man. You remember when, remember when Corey used to tell us there's levels to this? There's levels to this. Well, there's levels to who you can call out as well. If you're going to go call out a veteran... One of the most loved guys in the history of the sport, and you're a young guy. You can't do that. Now, rules are made to be broken. It's one of the things that makes it so compelling. Holland doesn't follow any of that stuff. Holland's got his own code. And there is something that's very intriguing about that. And that's before we get to the jiu-jitsu, right? Because the jiu-jitsu community then has like a a code in and of itself. But this is Luter Jiu-Jitsu versus Caesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, where do you go? But I, I do think that the X's and O's are more fascinating than a lot of Nate Diaz proposals that we've heard. A lot of them is some guy on some some killer streak, right? You hear Kamara Usman tied in with Nate, just by example. Holland's a very interesting one. That's going to cancel out on the ground. He's long. He likes to stay busy. I'm not positive that Holland is longer than Nate. That would be very close. And I can't remember the last time I've ever been giving you a breakdown of the fight and giving a damn about the X's and O's. I want to know why they want to be there. I want to know what the heat is. I want to know what they're ranked and where they're going to go. How far does a guy fall? How how far can a guy propel? That's an interest. Kevin Holland versus Nate Diaz. Not to mention, Holland at 170 has been a very good move. And I was a little light on that when that started. 
I've never met Holland in person. I've only seen him on television, but damn, he looks big. I never thought he was a small 85 pounder. He's skinny. He's long, but I've never thought of him as a small 85 pounder. We were going to bring him out to submission underground on like five days notice, and he was going to take on Rumble Johnson. I did not know what a weight discrepancy we have until Kevin's going down to 170. Now, he says he's got a pull. He says that that matters. He says that that's hard to him. But I think that he really has found his division. And I never had a problem with Kevin Holland's fighting. Like when he was throwing his arms up in the air, right? Vittori drives him crazy. And what am I going to do? And he goes out to the AKA and he solicits the advice of, of Daniel Cormier. Those are all really good things. I just thought maybe he was going a little too far, being a little hard on himself. Kevin Holland has had strategy problems, not understanding what a 10-9 must is, giving positions, cooperating with guys, and he's not doing that at 170. It's a different strength. It's a different feel. He got a little bit faster, as you would. When you peel that weight off, you get a little bit quicker. Your endurance holds up a little bit more. Throw a little bit more at your opponent's. And when I do look at that match, I, I got to tell you, I really like it. And in all fairness, I'm not positive it's a main event, which is also relevant. Nate prefers, Nate would like to be out there for eight rounds. Nate would like to be out there for 10 rounds. Nate has to change the way he fights when in three rounds. But you know what? I disagree with Nate. I think he does better in three. I think you would have a very hard time as a Nate Diaz fan going back and showing me a better performance, a better night of fighting than the night Nate took on Anthony Pettis. Nate hated everything about that because it was 15 minutes. He can't get going. I don't agree with that. I think that's in his head. I think the numbers would actually support me. If you go to SureDog right now and you look up Nate's record, it will support me. But also if you look at the performance, not always the outcome. I think Nate does better work when the house is on fire and he's got to get going. Because I have seen him in those five-round fights and he'll throw the first round away. He'll start a little bit slow. He'll hit you, but you'll hit him. You'll drag him down. He feels you out a little bit. He doesn't do that in three-round fights. And I think him versus Holland would warrant a co-main or even third to the end. But I think that's relevant. I think it makes for a better fight. I don't agree with Nate. I know he doesn't get tired. He loves it when his opponent does. He doesn't mind getting hit. He likes to accumulate. I get all of those things. When the house is on fire and Nate doesn't have time and Nate can't throw that first round away and he's got to start out hard, I think he does his best work. I really do stand by that statement. Best Nate Diaz I've ever seen is the one that Anthony Pettis had to deal with. So Holland versus Nate, right? I mean, we're going back and forth here a little bit, but I want you to play with that. I want you to chew on that. I don't, I don't think that anybody would have suspected that. Interesting move by Holland. Smart move by Holland. And I don't think Nate's going to let this slide. But just to pay off what I talked to you about at the beginning, just like Corey Anderson said, there's levels to this. There's levels to call-outs. And I'm not positive that Nate is going to be comfortable coming at one of these younger guys. That's somebody Nate would usually look out for. Nate would see in the back, he'd throw an arm around. He'd say an encouraging word to but Nate didn't throw the first punch. Kevin Holland did. And if he throws a second or third, I don't think that Nate's going to stand there and slip him all night. That might be the fight, guys. For me, let's do it. So 170 pounds is always interesting. I'll tell you, George Masvidal is still very much in the mix, and he's doing a great job of keeping himself relevant. I think he deserves credit for that. Daniel Cormier came out, weighed in on Masvidal. I saw this yesterday. It might have been a few days ago, but he said that Masvidal's at a crossroads. That Masvidal's days of fighting the really big-name fighters are behind him. That now he's going to have to use some of that shine and some of that luster to help to build some younger guys. And then hope, and then try, and then go out there and see what happens, see if you can get a win. Is Daniel right? Because Daniel makes a very fair point. That, quite possibly, is exactly where Masvidal's at. What I'm seeing is that Masvidal is well aware that that's what the history of the sport says. That that's exactly where he's going to be unless he puts himself somewhere else. And I've never seen him working so hard, and I respect it a lot. And I'm never going to get my way. Like, the UFC is for guys that want to be champion and contenders to go on and be the champion. That's what the UFC's for. I wish there was a fun division. 
Because I could make some really fun fights. And there are guys who belong in a different category. I mean, I would argue for you, Conor McGregor is in a totally different spot. Whatever he's going to do is going to be big. Don't even need the opponent. I would argue that Nate Diaz is right there with him, and I think that Masvidal still remains in that same spot. I think Dustin Poirier is real close to getting there. You want to call me up, go chill. You're the matchmaker. Go make me a really fun fight that everybody's going to want to see. Oh, and by the way, nothing has to be on it. It doesn't have to be for contenders. It doesn't have to be meaningful. But that's what they do in the UFC. But if I was tasked with that, no problem. Hey, Tony Ferguson. Hey, George Masvidal. Boom, we're done. You guys see what I'm talking I mean, there's some matches out there. I just got your attention, didn't I? That match would make a ton of sense. And I feel as though that's what George Masvidal is looking to go and do. And Masvidal is working very hard. He's trying to align himself with Conor McGregor. He went as far as to say he will put the BMF up. I don't want to hear a whole diatribe by you guys about the BMF and where that thing goes. I've never seen George Masvidal. I don't think you could correct me and tell me a time that I've missed. I've never seen Masvidal offer to put up the BMF. So whether he sees a sign of desperation or he's just being creative and clever, he got my attention. I don't really care which one it is. If he's out there working, he's out there hustling, I'm going to appreciate it. I feel that we're seeing this layout right in front of our eyes at 205 pounds. I'll build a bridge from Masvidal and the hard work that he's doing, and I'll take it right over to 205 pounds because I think Anthony Smith's going to get his way. If Glover Teixeira was to get an immediate rematch, my guess, based on history, is that would have been done right away. He and Yuri, boom, we're going to do this again. Let's find a date. Off you go. If Jan Blahovich was, in fact, the number one contender that was going to fill in to whoever won the Glover-Prohaska fight, I feel as though that would have already been announced. I think that Anthony Smith, who put his foot down and said, not so fast, don't agree to anything. My fight with Uncle I, if that's the number one contender's fight, we want to be heard, we want to be seen, and then we want the decision to be made. I feel as though Anthony has won. Now that this time has gone by, the idea of, of Glover versus Yuri, sure that still works, but it's not as hot. It's cool a lot. I think we're past it. I'll go as far as to say that. I don't think that Glover's getting the rematch. Glover is now doing interviews talking about I'm not going to retire. I'm hungrier than ever. If he's doing interviews and it's not directly attached to Prohaska, he's not getting the rematch. But I'm not seeing the blessing being given to Blahovich either. And my only point is, no matter which way they go with that, is that Anthony Smith saw what was happening, he heard what was happening, and he put his foot down and said, not so fast. This is what we were told. Go look at my record and what I've achieved. Go look at Uncle Live's record and what he's achieved. This is the match. A little bit of time's gone by. Anthony's sure looking right, isn't he? Makes a lot of sense. Gives us fans something to look forward to. Why would we in hindsight? Why would have we done that to ourselves? Made Glover versus Prohaska made the rematch. Why would we do that to ourselves? It would take away our ability to sit back and enjoy Smith versus Uncle Live, just by example. And we were ready to do that to ourselves, weren't we? Sure we were. Now we've kept the door open. Now we kept the option open. And I think that one of the reasons it stays open is because of Anthony Smith specifically. I can't give Uncle Live any credit there. I didn't see him do one single interview. I didn't see him send one single thing out on social media. He seems to put his head down and move forward. And there's definitely a path for guys that do that. It's the slower and longer route. But I don't begrudge it. And I think he does owe a thank you to Lionheart for preserving this form. But I want to speak more of the idea that guys that are getting out there, guys that are going forward. I'll juxtapose that with the one and only comment that I've heard Surreal Gone make. Surreal Gone, who was your interim champion, who was your heavyweight main eventer, who was a round away from defeating Ngano, has not said a single word since that fight that I've heard of. And I've teased him. I've goaded him. I've begged him. Say something. He finally said something today. He said he'd like another interim championship match. Never in my life have I heard for somebody ask for an interim championship match. It may have happened. I I don't remember it. I don't remember anybody that just fought for an undisputed championship demoting themselves and asking for an interim champ. I just don't recall that. And that is very different. That is very different than what George Moswell is doing, what Anthony Smith is doing, fighting, demanding, not letting the narrative change, not letting the headlines escape, keeping the focus right where it should be. I could go back to Tony Ferguson's last fight with Michael Chandler. The week after that fight, I've never seen Ferguson work so hard. 
And he survived it, by the way. Ferguson made it through that. Him being knocked out or unconscious for his first time, that's a distant memory. I have to remind you guys that that even happened. Ferguson went to work. He saw what was going on. But I would like, I would like, this is just me talking, I would like a little bit of room to have some fun. And, and every 10 years, we have some fun in this sport. We do it in the name of James Tony. We do it in the name of Brock Lesnar. We do it with somebody like CM Punk. It looks like now we, we might be going to do it with one of the Paul brothers. We have some fun every now and then. I think we've got the guys. I don't think we have to bring somebody in to have a good time. Why does everything have to be a contender's match? I get for years of trying to build the UFC to where it is right now. I get where that policy was a very important one. But now that we're here, isn't there something to be said for the point that I'm making? That we do have some veterans. We do have some real studs that are very interesting that we just want to see compete. And it doesn't have to be against the number five guy. It doesn't have to be against the number three guy. Sometimes we just want to get them in there together. Conor McGregor coming back for a world title fight against Oliveira. Okay. Conor McGregor coming in against Dustin Poirier part Fine. Nate Diaz part three. Works for me. George Monsvall. Sure, why not? But I think we have other guys like that. I do think Poirier is one of those guys. I think there's some real fun matches out there. And I think the point that I'm making to you guys about an Oliveira Masvidal showdown, why wouldn't we do that? We all want to see it. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody falls in the rankings. And I admit that nobody climbs them either. But every now and then, let's just have a little bit of fun. out today's program. There are several fights in 2022 that I'm really looking forward to, but I think one in particular tops them all. Oh, here's some exciting news. So Charles Oliveira is going to be fighting Islam. That's coming up later this year. You know, there's there's more on that though. Like guys, let me ask you an interesting question. Think about it from this perspective, because there's a massive changing of the guard going on right in front of our eyes within the UFC. If I was to ask you this question, of all the fights announced, what fight are you most looking forward to? What would you say? Some of you are going to say Leon versus Usman. And some of you are going to say Max versus Volkanovski. A few of you are going to say Cannoneer versus Izzy. And then you're probably, I would think, the majority of the fights that are announced are probably going to go to the one that we're talking about right now, which is Charles versus Islam. That is a very interesting match, which was not an interesting match prior to Oliveira versus Gaethje. Now I'm personalizing, that's for me. But I was not overly interested in Islam versus Oliveira. I felt like I knew the way that one would go. I felt like I could tell you pretty safely that's going to be as much as a three and a half and no closer to three to one favorite for Islam. The match isn't going to be overly exciting. It's going to be pretty dumb. It's going to be, I just, I felt like I knew whether I was right or not, that's how I felt. So my anticipation was down. And I think that the way I feel largely translates to the way you guys feel. I feel like we're on the same page. That's probably the match that you would say that you want to see the most. Somewhere in that order that I just went through is going to be very close. Am I right? I'm stalling here. I'm buying a little bit of time because I want you to actually come up with an answer. Now, if you come to that same conclusion or even thereabouts, that is a very different answer than you probably would have speculated 12 months ago. You would have speculated of all the matches that are coming up, You'd be most looking forward to the return of John Jones. Or you'd most be looking forward to the return of Conor McGregor. Or whatever involves George Masvidal. Or wherever Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier are going to end up. Like, these are the matches that you would think. These are the bigger stars in the sport. Not only was that true a year ago, that's still true right now. The guys that I just named are the bigger stars in the sport. Those guys aren't getting matches. For whatever reason, whatever is going on, there is a changing of the guard. Charles Oliveira could not get main event spots two years ago. When he started getting main event spots, nobody wanted to keep him there. I mean, it was one of those things. Now we're given reports that Oliveira's last fight was the biggest uh, pay-per-view of all of 2022 thus far, which I will remind you also contained interim champion versus undisputed champion within the heavyweight division, Surreal Gone versus Francis Ngannou. This year is the same year that we held Covington versus Masvidal. 
And we're still finding out that Oliveira versus Gaethje did even more business. I mean, we're seeing this sort of massive changing of the guard. And it might be this way for a little while. I don't know why some of those bigger names aren't getting booked. I would chalk it up to absolutely nothing more than a coincidence. Just a coincidence. Whatever you're trying to sit down and whatever you're trying to get hashed out, whatever you're waiting on. Connor's got the, the injury over here and John's coming back, but it's not quite yet. And if he comes back, it's Stipe, but we're hearing that Stipe's got a shoulder. Bro- I mean, right, there's, there's all these different things that we hear. I don't believe there's anything more going on than a coincidence, but I will share for you, while this coincidence is taking place, we are seeing new guys seizing that opportunity. Islam Makhlchev becoming a main event, which he's done before, but now he's becoming a main event of a pay-per-view. Those are not words that you would have thought you'd be speaking in 2022. And as interesting as Charles Oliveira has made this fight by showing us all how damn good he is, as interesting as that fight is, Islam is still going to be the favorite. He is. Ever so slight, I think Islam will be the favorite. He is as of right now. What if Islam wins the belt? Where does Oliveira go? Oliveira slides down a little bit. Now you got Islam. Islam's top of the bill. What do you do with Benny? Like Benny in the meanwhile, what do you do with Benny? That opens up a door to go in with Michael Chandler. But then now you're eliminating one of your guys. You're creating a number one contender, but you're also eliminating somebody who arguably could be going in for the top. I mean, you just got a lot of thinking to do. Talk of Volkanovsky moving up. Where the hell is Poirier? Top of Poirier staying, but at one point he was going up to 170. Like there's a lot of moving parts right now. And either way, the phenomenon that I'm speaking to, which is we are seeing a massive turnover. We are seeing a massive changing of the guard. Is this calculated? Is this planned? Is this strategic? Is this something we should be watching? Is there some kind of conspiracy involved? Or is this just the natural ebb and flow? You've still got those big stars. Anybody with the last name of Diaz, anybody with the last name of McGregor, anybody named Mazda, I mean, those are still your biggest stars. John Jones will get asserted to that as soon as he comes back. But they're all out right now, and everybody's getting booked, and everybody's moving around them. And I just think if you look at it from that perspective, if you were to ask yourself, the way I started this entire topic, of the fights announced, what fight are you most looking forward to? I think if you then identify that fight and try to rewind your own memory 12 months, I think that would surprise you. Guys are seizing the moment. They're seizing these spots. They're seizing these opportunities. They're making the absolute most of it. I love it. I respect it. And as a fan, I'm going to go right along with it. Whoever's in that covetous spot, whoever's got the most to gain, whoever's fighting at the end of the night, that's the, I'm going to follow those stories the most. I think you guys are the same. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening and for the support. We got a couple great weeks coming up in July. So make sure you are following the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so that all of our new episodes hit your feed at 5 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday and Friday. Until next Wednesday, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.